Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, December 2nd, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm a news editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film senior writer and chief film critic, Chris Evangelista. Hello. Hello. All right, let's get into it. Just a quick episode today, a few stories we wanted to hit. Guillermo del Toro, who is making the rounds for Nightmare Alley, his new movie that's coming out very soon, uh, is talking about wanting to to resurrect an old project. Chris, tell me about that. Yeah, so a while back, um, Guillermo del Toro wanted to make H.P. Lovecraft's uh, At the Mountains of Madness into this really big movie. It was going to cost about $150 million, and uh, James Cameron was going to produce it. Uh, Industrial Light and Magic was going to handle the special effects. And Tom Cruise was going to star. And you would think like that combination of all those people involved would have any studio be like, we are absolutely making this movie. But um, Universal, where this was set up, uh, got cold feet. And um, accounts differ as to why most people think it's the budget. And they also think that it's something to do with Prometheus, because Prometheus was another big R-rated sci-fi horror movie Uh and it has a kind of a similar setup as um, at the mountains of Manus. And that while it was no, was, was by no means a, a box office bomb. It didn't do as well as folks were hoping. And so all those combinations sort of had universal end up pulling the plug on that. Um, since then though, of course, Guillermo del Toro has only uh, just risen in stature. You know, he won Oscars for uh, The Shape of Water that won Best Picture and Best Director. So he's even a bigger name now than he was back in 2010. So uh, during a podcast appearance, he was asked, you know, now that you're a big name and now that you're working with Netflix a lot, because he has a, a bunch of projects with Netflix, like the uh, those animated Tales of Arcadia things, and he's mm-hmm. doing a, a Pinocchio movie with them. So he was asked, like, have you, you know, would you consider trying to get Netflix to make this? And he actually said, I'm not going to read the quotes, but he said basically that he took this idea to Netflix and he didn't really elaborate more on what Netflix said. Um, and he didn't make it sound like Netflix is like, ah, yes, we're definitely making this. But he did say that if he did get to make it now for Netflix, 
he would make it uh, a lot weirder and a lot stranger and a lot less blockbustery than it was going to be as a big Hollywood movie because you know Netflix doesn't need it to be that basically and mm-hmm. he pr- and he probably wouldn't you know reach out to Tom Cruise again and so it would, basically uh, you know the script he wrote for that Tom Cruise version would have to be changed a lot. And it would be a much different movie if he did end up making it for Netflix. But that's not to say it's actually going to happen. It's just that, you know, he hasn't given up on the idea yet, basically. I was going to ask you about that, Chris. If this happens, um, do you think that the the trade-off there is worth it? Like the um, the uh, potential for this story, is it great enough for him to get, you know, super weird and a little bit more niche maybe with some of the material? And if he... Uh, cast somebody who is less well known than Tom Cruise or would you do you think there's actually uh in a in a fictional scenario where Universal has enough confidence and money to to back this project do you think that the um the sort of restrictions that Del Toro might have the the bumper you know the bumpers around the uh around the project might have actually helped him uh I don't know focus in a little bit more we've seen with Peter Jackson I think is like a good example of somebody who when when those bumpers are removed, he can get a little um a little I don't know unfocused at times. So uh, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I mean I that's a good question, Ben, and I'm too uh, tired to answer it. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> you saw but, Nightmare Alley last night. That's why you, you wrote a review of it on, yeah. on people can read it at slash home.com. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, all I will say is I would love for him to make this in any shape or form. I would love anything from Guillermo del Toro. And, you know, he took a little time off from directing after Shape of Water. I'm glad he's back now in Nightmare Alley. I hope he doesn't take another few years off again. Like basically, I want as much Guillermo del Toro movies as I can get. And when I say that, I mean stuff he directs. I, I know mm-hmm. he's got a lot of stuff he produces and his name is splashed all over it. And that's fine. I don't care. I want to see him... <laughs> direct i don't want to see him produce things i want you know directions here and so if netflix was like yeah we'll let you make this for a certain amount of money and he did it i would i would be all in yeah 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 i'm definitely curious and i i really hope that they do pull the or you know not pull the plug the opposite of pull the plug they, they plug the plug in for this uh yeah. for this um uh, adaptation because i i mean this is something that he's been talking about for so long and and um uh, yeah, I'm so curious to see if it actually happens and if it does happen, if Netflix actually like treats it well, you know, and, or if it just like becomes yet another uh, drop in the the ever um, flowing stream of content. But um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the Game of Thrones prequel, The Tales of Duncan Egg. We've mentioned this before. It's based on a novella by George R. R. Martin, who wrote uh, Song of Ice and Fire, which is the, the whole book series that Game of Thrones was based on. Uh, and HBO has been developing this show, and now they have attached a writer and producer. And that guy's name is Steve Conrad. And he has directed or, or sort of uh, cooked up shows like Patriot and uh, uh, Ultra City Smiths, which is an animated series on AMC, um, Perpetual Grace LTD. He's he's been responsible for that. He's also written some stuff uh, in the movie world, The Pursuit of Happiness, the Will Smith movie, and the Secret Wife, uh, the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. The Secret Wife of Walter Mitty would be a, a whole different different movie. Walter um, Mitty, get your Secret Wife <laughs> out of here. Uh, so I actually have not seen Patriot, uh, the Amazon series that Steve Conrad uh, created, and that I think is probably his best known thing. His best, like um, I don't know. 
aside from those movies, like the, the thing that I guess you could say best represents him as a, as a creative overall. Did you see Patriot? You know what that no, show is? No, I, I, I've heard of it. I have not seen it though. Yeah. I, I think this is one of those smaller shows that has like a really, really, um, vocal fan base, but not a ton of people have checked it out. So unfortunately, I can't really comment about whether or not I think Steve Conrad is a great fit for this, but the the premise is is certainly ripe. Uh, it's basically Tales of Duncan Egg. It's essentially like a, a buddy comedy kind of thing um, as these two characters sort of, uh, these two like low-level, street-level characters just sort of uh, make their way across Westeros getting in these little episodic adventures here and there. So um yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with this show. Uh, I don't know much about Conrad, so maybe uh, if our listeners, if anybody are, is a big Patriot fan out there, uh, if you know anything about his work, uh, shoot us an email. I'd love to know what you guys think because I just don't, straight up don't have time to watch Patriot right now. It's, it's been on my list for a long time. But um, All right, so let's talk next about uh, Zorro, the return of Zorro. Oh, Chris, boy. there's been a lot of Zorro talk over the years uh, that has never really panned out, but here's another Zorro announcement. Tell me about it. Yeah. Um, so, like you said, Ben, there's there's been a whole bunch of uh, potential Zoros. There was a uh, going to be a futuristic Zoro. There was going to be a gritty dark night Zoro. There was going to be a movie called Z because you know Zoro starts with a Z. Uh, <laughs> there, at one point, they mentioned there was going to be a movie that was Django and Zoro, which would feature Django from Django Unchained. Uh, there was going to be a Robert Rodriguez TV series with a female Zorro, and none of these things have happened, <laughs> which seems to indicate that this latest version might not happen either. But if it does, it will be called Zorro 2.0, which, <laughs> man, oh, man, like everything about this sounds like something from like the early 2000s or like the uh, the, the late 90s where uh, – computers weren't as prevalent you know for home use as they are today and people didn't really know what they were and you you got movies like the net where all the computer stuff is like impossible but we all accepted it because it was like all right this makes sense we don't know anything mm-hmm. about computers <laughs> so this this movie zero 2.0 uh would be set in present day uh uh, it's going to be written and directed by Alex Riviera, who is someone I, I confess I have never heard of before, but he, he won a uh, MacArthur uh, Genius Grant. So that's oh, you know, wow. that's that's no, you know, that's not uh, small potatoes right there. That's kind of a big deal. So he, he clearly has some you know talent there. But um, this project, it would be set in present day and it would reimagine Zuro as a hacker. And here is the, the premise. <clears throat> The film reimagines the iconic character as Oscar de la Vega, a young undocumented hacker known as Zorro. And here I will point out the O's in Zorro here are zeros because, you know, the internet. <laughs> because computer stuff. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> While fighting back against a secret government unit that attacked his mother, uh, okay, he, he discovers a high tech conspiracy that threatens not only his family, but the world. And, uh, I never finished uh, Mr. Robot. I watched the first season and this really sounds a lot like Mr. Robot, but Mr. Robot is Zorro now. So I, I don't, uh, I, I'm, I'm very much baffled by this because like I said, it really sounds like something from like the nineties that somehow is being made right now, but who knows? Maybe, maybe Zorro with the zeros will be good. Yeah, I mean, I I laughed at this. Uh, I kind of feel bad for laughing as much as I have when you were reading the premise there. It just sounds so ridiculous on the face of it. But that being said, there are plenty of projects that sound 
straight up ridiculous yeah. that end up actually turning out really well based on the execution. So um, absolutely, and and like Zorro, uh, Chris, you and I both are big fans of the Mask of Zorro, which came out yeah. in what ninety eight or something. So it's not like the character is like so antiquated that it's impossible to do anything interesting with him. Um, yeah. But this seems just like a full blown reimagination on a level that we've never quite seen before. So. Uh, I'm not sure if this will work, but uh, but do you think that there's actually potential here in the same way that, uh, or maybe in a, in a different way than what happened in the late 90s? I don't know. It sounds like too much of a reinvention. Like the things that are fun about that 1998 Zorro, the Mask of Zorro, is that it's, you know, it's like a swashbuckling adventure and uh, you know, everyone's- like a throwback almost. Yeah, everyone's like sexy and using swords and stuff. Like, I don't want to see fucking- Zorro on a computer like what is that gonna I don't care like what I don't know like I feel like we should stop making movies about hackers at this point I feel like there's nothing left to be said about hack like you know what is what's it gonna be I don't I don't know but maybe I'm wrong prove me wrong Zorro with zeros prove me wrong Zorro 2.0 all right well yeah we'll we'll track this one and see if it uh, gets added to the the dustbin of other (laughs) Zorro projects that never came to be Um, but let's talk about something that does sound like it's actually happening and that is uh, Chloe Zhao's next movie or or one of her next films anyway Uh, and it's gonna be wait actually this, this is, is a different one. one. Okay, this is a completely <laughs> different Dracula movie. A different. All right, I got mixed up there. There are, uh, there are several Dracula movies in the works right now. This is a different one. Okay, I was going to cut that, but I'm just going to leave all of this no, in leave the it episode. In there. So yeah, might as well. So, uh, Chris, tell me about this other Dracula, da- Dracula adjacent project that's going on, and the incredible piece of casting that was just announced. Okay, so yeah, this this film is called Renfield, and it's it's going to be a comedy about um dracula's uh bug-eating sidekick if you've, you've read dracula if you've seen pretty much any dracula movie you know there's a character named renfield who is is dracula's human familiar basically and he he's, he spends almost he spends all of the book and most of the movies locked up in an insane asylum so it's kind of a shitty familiar really dracula like you couldn't pick someone on the outside but i digress <laughs> anyway uh nicholas holt is playing uh the titular character he's playing renfield in this and now we've learned that nicholas cage is going to be playing dracula and boy oh boy is that exciting because you just hear that news and you're immediately like hell yes that makes sense nicholas cage he kind of is like you know he's our modern day vincent price in a way so i would love to see nicholas cage as Dracula. And of course he's played a vampire before sort of in a <laughs> vampire's kiss, a very, very weird movie where he plays a, uh, a book publisher who thinks he's becoming a vampire, but really he's just going insane from rabies. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I, you know, pardon the pun, but I'm sure Nicholas Cage will sink his teeth into the role of Dracula. <laughs> So, Chris, on on a recent episode earlier this week, you and I were just like praising Nicolas Cage for the the subtle performance that he gives in the movie Pig. And this does not sound like a I mean, is it even possible to imagine a Nicolas Cage subtle Dracula? Or do you think this is going to be one of those like super over the top where he just like embraces what he's, I guess, arguably best known for and just really like choose the scenery all the way through? Yeah, it's it's hard to say because I've heard I've read uh, through various sources that the real focus of this movie is is the Renfield character and he's supposed to be the the comedic character. So it is possible that you know Nicholas Holt will be the one going going zany here and Nicholas mm-hmm. Cage will be playing it straight. I really don't know. I guess uh, I guess it's a little too early to tell. But like you said, like it's really hard to picture a a straight Nicholas Cage Dracula performance. Like I'm just picturing him wearing like you know 
the big cape with the huge collar and he's yeah. just running around. He's just using his Nick Cage voice or he's doing that, <laughs> that, that Bella Lugosi Dracula accent. You know, I, it's just, it's impossible to picture anything else but that, but I guess, I guess we'll see. Okay. So then one other piece of casting news here is that Aquafina has been added to the cast of this same movie. Um, unfortunately, we don't know what character she's going to be playing. So yeah. Given your knowledge of this uh, this property, Chris, do you have any guesses about what kind of character Aquafina might be playing here? I, uh, it depends on how close they're sticking to Dracula. I mean, there are several female characters in Dracula. You know, there's there's Mina, there's uh, Lucy, there are there's Dracula's bride. So I mm-hmm. guess she could be any of those, or she could just be like a completely new character they made up for for this movie. Is there any that you think she might be particularly well suited for uh, in those? I'm, I'm, I don't know. I feel like maybe she would be a good Lucy, but uh... yeah, she could do that. I, it, you know, again, it, it's hard because I, I don't know what they're they're going for. I mean, they're they're obviously going for a comedy, but it's hard to tell like how broad it's going to be, how silly it's going to be, how you know, is everyone else going to be playing things straight while Renfield is the silly one, or is the mm-hmm. whole movie going to be like you know? dracula dead and loving it but with nicholas cage it's hard to say <laughs> oh wow well i had not considered that and now i will be doing nothing but considering that for the rest of the day so here's hoping uh fingers crossed but uh all right i think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of the show you can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode slash film daily is published every weekday bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and tv as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site you can subscribe to the show on apple Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.